Hello, this is Anchor Point, the daily podcast of the First Colony Church of Christ in Sugar Land, Texas, and I'm Shane. Thank you so much for joining us today. In Matthew 5:13 to 16, Jesus tells us that we are to be salt and light in this world. Let me read it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What does Jesus mean when he tells us to be salt and to be light? Why salt? And isn't Jesus the light of the world? As I was preparing for a recent wedding I was officiating, the the couple asked me to include a salt covenant as a special element of their wedding. I was intrigued, and I I had to admit that I didn't know what that was. There is more to salt than meets the taste buds, as it turns out. Salt has been used in many cultures as a valuable commodity. In fact, the word salary comes from an ancient word meaning salt money, referring to a Roman soldier's allowance for the purchase of salt. Someone who earns his pay is still said to be worth his salt. Salt has also been used to express promises and friendship between people. Today, in many Arab cultures, if two men partake of salt together, they are sworn to protect one another, even if they had previously been enemies. In some cultures, people throw salt over their shoulders when they make a promise. Now, at this wedding, what they did is the couple, the the bride and the groom, they they both took took a piece of salt and ate it as a symbol of their promise and covenant and fidelity to one another. But in the ancient world, ingesting salt was a way to make an agreement legally binding. If two parties entered into an agreement, they would eat salt together in the presence of witnesses, and that act would bind their contract. Second Chronicles 13.5 in the Old Testament mentions just such a salt covenant. It says, Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? This refers to the strong, legally binding promise of God to give the kingdom of Israel to David and his sons forever. In Leviticus 2.13, the Old Testament law commands the use of salt in all grain offerings and makes clear that the salt of the covenant shall not be missing from the grain offerings. Salt has always been known for its preservative properties, and it is also possible that God instructed the use of salt so that the meat would last longer and taste better, and thus be of more value to the priests who depended upon it for their daily food. The idea of a salt covenant carries a great deal of meaning because of the value of salt. Today, salt is easy to come by in our culture. We don't necessarily need it as a preservative because of refrigeration. But to the people of Jesus' day, salt was an important and precious commodity. So when Jesus told his disciples that they were the salt of the earth, he likely meant we are to have a preserving influence in this world. But here's what else I learned about salt in the Eastern cultures, like where Jesus lived. In the East, salt often comes in large stone jars, 20 or 30 pounds in one jar. This jar stands on the floor of the kitchen. The top of the jar is covered with a stone slab. Every morning, though, the kitchen floor is washed with water, and in the course of time, the bottom of the stone jar becomes soaked with water so many times that the salt in the bottom of the jar actually loses its saltiness. By the time the salt is used down to the part from which the saltiness has been leached away, The remainder is simply thrown out into the street and it's trodden underfoot because it's lost its saltiness, it's lost its flavor. 
That's what Jesus was talking about. When we understand that method of storing salt, the lesson is clear for us today. There are many things in this world that can wear away or water down our flavor, our savoriness, our usefulness. Just regular old life can do that to us. But how much more can times of struggle or stress wear us down and leach the flavor and fervor from our lives? Unless, unless we do as Jesus said, and we remember that we are the salt of the earth. We have a flavor and we are filled with the aroma of Christ, and we are to be preservative, and we are to add wonderful taste to this world. Let's not lose that, whether we are in good times or bad. Now, how about being the light of the world? That one we more naturally understand. And in Matthew 5, Jesus really does draw the picture for us. Don't let your light be hidden. Let it shine out. And we know that it is especially helpful to have a light that is shining bright when you're in a dark place. So please just take a moment and think of someone you know that may need some help to beat back the encroaching darkness today. How can you come alongside them, even today, and shine a light for them? And remember, it really is Jesus who is the light of the world. Our light doesn't come from within us, but it's from the one who is greater and whose spirit lives within us. We have worship services live-streamed on Sundays and midweek Bible lessons live-streamed on Wednesdays here at First Colony Church of Christ. You can also find many other connection points on our website at firstcolonychurch.org. We love you guys. We are praying for you. And I'm amazed at all the stories I hear all the time about how you guys are truly being salt and light in this world. Thank you for being such an example and an encouragement to me. And thanks again for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share these podcasts. And now let us go and be salt and light wherever God leads us today.